You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. Good to be back. Welcome. David Hall. Hey, hey. Hey, Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, fellas. Welcome. Justin Pearson. What's up, guys? Well, on the show this week, we'll be checking out floating trucks, photo finishes, and running backwards. We'll hear from several pro drivers with their thoughts about sim racing equipment and the state of the NASCAR. Plus, we'll show you how to get a full-size F1 sim and much more. And remember, you can follow along with us uh, in real time on your PC or mobile device by listening to show and seeing for yourself all these great topics by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So check it out and we'll see you there. Let's jump right into the news with the 2023 season two patch two release notes. Yeah, I thought the uh, very first one was interesting. Uh, fixed an issue where cars would appear to fly above the track surface at Charlotte Rallycross, where back patching was not in effect. We actually found a video of this. Uh, it was pretty uh, cool. Did you guys see it? Nah, uh, yes, I did check it out. It was crazy. Did I cut out there? You did? Yeah. Okay. Uh, something went wrong with my push to talk button. All right. So, yep, they, they mentioned the physics thing. I didn't watch the video of it. Some graphics updates. The biggie, though, is this new damage model. Over almost 20 cars were made less durable, basically. Not the cup car. The uh, So this truck, it, it took the jump at the uh, Daytona jump of the Rallycross track. And when it came down, it didn't come all the way down. It 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 kind of came down about three feet up off the ground and slowly as it went forward, it kind of gently came back down to earth. It was, I, it gave me the impression of the whole, you know, uh, Jedi holding his hand out and he's kind of making the truck float a little bit. Uh, yeah, I need the star Wars music in the background. Uh, we'll get into real copyright issues. If we go there. Out of this damage model there, David, what cars do you run typically that you're happy about this damage model? You know, none of them really. I'm pretty much cup car, GTE, and LMP or GTP. That's pretty much all I spend most of my time in. Yeah, I run the GT4, so I'm curious. I'm going to actually run that Saturday morning. I'm curious what that's going to look like. So I've been dabbling in um, dirt oval and I've been running the dirt street stocks and before they, you could wall ride these and not take damage. And now if you wall ride, even if you hit it just a little bit, it'll knock your alignment out. That's good. Wall riding in dirt's kind of a problem. Gen four got some changes um, before the podcast recording. Donnie and I were just talking about, you know, they didn't really make any changes to this car. They just took that limiter off and made a series out of it and with literally no, nothing. But here's a few changes. They turned on auto fuel. They improved the higher revving external trackside engine sounds. 
and now the pit port has been updated to, to display correctly and the opponent car rev limiter has been updated Thanks. what else do they need to do uh i don't know y'all were talking about how you don't feel completely comfortable in it yet but i really almost just wonder maybe that's because it's just not a comfortable car possibly i'm just curious is it even a cup car or is it a xfinity car from back in the day i keep hearing two different things well no but xfinity cars for a long time were just were just hand-me-downs right from cup as as they would go down as they would they would get the xfinity rules would always kind of trail behind the cup cars they'd get the chassis and the bodies and they just have to turn down the heart the horsepower sometimes essentially but they were they would it, it was just kind of this hand-me-down chain going all the way down to arca i'm curious i heard something about the wheelbase being different so i want to i want to get in the nuts and bolts and look look into it i think the good news that we were talking about is look they're gonna this is putting them on a path to do it right to actually scan a car and and get the right thing going so I feel like it's a little bit off, like Donnie feels. I, I when I drive it, I feel like I'm driving a boat. Um, it does. I mean, I don't know what it is about it, but that's how the feeling I get. But you, you said it right, though. It, it's hard, which makes it fun at the same time. And I'll continue with it. So so far, so good. Yeah, the um, OBRL league is going to be running this car for their ARCA uh, in this upcoming season. So uh, they'll, they'll be racing it um, for a whole season. It'll be interesting, their thoughts on it. At a glance, uh, everything else just seems to be like small little fixes here and there. Just things that they're catching as they go. A couple of I, issues at the Hereth track. I don't see any Coda track perimeter updates. Yeah, they wouldn't, do, they wouldn't do that in the middle of the week. Yeah, I could I could have run at two o'clock and you know, being on spring break, and I just decided nah, because um, I scored so few points last night. It, it's the way the they give you the way they split you on road I rating and set the strength of field that way. Now there's just no the road races are going to be your drop weeks because it, especially for the top splitters. I'm I'm in a strength of field of 2,000 instead of 4,000, so I'm getting half the points at every one of the road races, even if I win, which is not going to happen either. How could they fix that though? Yeah, they need to fix that. That's not right. Well, if you if it's go back to the old system where you were split by your 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 oval eye rating. Yeah, they you you would think they'd be able to split by oval rating, but um, grid the field by um. I don't know. Can you still grid the field by your road at that point? Surely they could program the championship points to be based on oval only. Like, like David would get double the amount of points, even though he's in a 2000 split because yeah. he's a 4,000 oval. Yeah. I don't want to say it's a waste of time. Cause I did enjoy my a open last night, but it's kind of a waste of time. I'm one and done. All right, well, let's uh, we'll wrap that up. And Brian, we've got a uh, the uh, Porsche e Sports Cup, right, or Super Cup? I forget what the acronym is every time. Yeah, Porsche Esports Super Cup, uh, presented by Tag Hoyer. Um, yeah, so uh, we're going to start off with the All Star Race, and uh, Pablo Lopez um, and Casey Kerwin they had a fantastic last lap uh, battle at uh, Coda, 
So they were racing at Coda as well in the Porsche series and the All-Stars. And uh, really great finish. Uh, Pablo Lopez just edged out Casey Kerwin coming off that last turn. And and uh, Pablo was lucky because, you know, at Coda, the start-finish line isn't too far off of that uh, last turn. You know, if that start-finish line is a little further down the straightaway, um, I think Casey Kerwin would have pulled ahead and, and, and got the win. But really good racing. And, and to be honest with you, it seems like every week the uh, – the all-star race has uh, shown a lot more um, competitiveness. Well, not competitiveness, but races, like really good finishes for whatever reason. And I think it's because when they invert the, they invert the entire field after the first uh, first race to get to the main event. And then uh, the, the really good guys are starting in the back, and they're working through traffic to make their way to the front. So uh, really good finish at that all-star race. I was entertained. I watched the finish as well, Brian. Um, because I think Casey Kerwin was trying to get by cleanly and I think he couldn't because of this crap track. I mean, I really still feel the track is crap and, and, and it's really hard to pass here. So that's why Pablo won it, but uh, kudos to Casey for trying and he really made a show out of it. Really? Yeah. He, um, on the very last turn, I think it's turn 20. Um, he tried to go on the outside around him. Um, and it just, it's just not, there's not a lot of, places to pass easily on this track that's for sure and and once you get past that uh the long straightaway and the hard hard left hand turn um your your places to pass are almost gone at that point yeah this track was designed for a certain type of car yeah this the stock car feels like like a boat running around there i'm glad you guys said something because this is my first road course with this new cockpit and it it is a hard one compared to Watkins Glen or Sonoma or something like that that you're used to. Um, yeah, it's tough because uh, it's got these really tight corners, you know, super, super tight. Yeah, that and the track limits are really super tight as well. So, you know, it's you get incident points by just barely going off the rumbles. I find it easier than Sonoma because I, I can't get through down the whole backstretch of Sonoma well because uh, it, it's that kind of – a high speed, those high speed, low speed corners. I don't know if that makes any sense. The backstretch of Sonoma just kicks my ass. Um, whereas uh, the, I would make time here at the S's actually. Cause so, and then the sharp corners, that's just consistently hitting your marks is all you have to do with sharp corners. Yeah, so uh, we'll move on to the actual uh, Super Cup uh, main event. It was round four for those guys, uh, again, at Coda. Um, and uh, coming out of the um, qualifying, Diego Pinto uh, f- actually uh, finished 10th place in qualifying, so not a great one. He moved up to 8th in the sprint race, and then the invert was actually turned out to be 8 cars, so he was actually in the perfect spot to get on the pole for the main feature and uh, he was able to hold off uh, Jordan Caruso and win that race um, as a 16 lap headliner race and uh, it's his first uh, win of the year for the main events and a really close finish just a uh, 0.172 seconds over uh, Jordan Caruso so congratulations there to uh, to Diego um, Jordan finished Jordan Caruso finished third Alejandro Sanchez third Jamie Fluke fourth and Charlie Collins fifth so as we look to the uh, points uh, at this point uh, Jordan Caruso now is uh, it takes is in the lead uh, Charlie Collins is in second place in points Diego is in third now um, 
Sebastian Job dropped a little. He finished 14th in this race, dropped a few points. He's in fourth overall. And Cooper Webster is in fifth. So uh, uh, after Diego Pinto had that really great week, uh, winning the uh, winning the uh, Skip Barber series, uh, a little bit of this, uh, a really good finish here. And uh, he's starting to uh, climb back up in the points in the Super Cup to try to defend his crown. Is this picture from the event? That, that we have on the website yes it is i just couldn't imagine in an official series going in with that many cars that wide and, <laughs> and surviving it that's insane right and you know they're all getting ready to break really hard to make a turn so i mean it's just everybody's packing in really tight on that turn yeah i'll be that orange car in the far left that outside edge and just pray for the best well with my luck at Sebring this week, and I'll be the guy kind of in the middle who just gets run over because I check up for the guy in front of me. I'll be the guy coming out of the pits back there that uh, <laughs> didn't take the green. You can't do that in multi-class, or you have to. It, it really sucks having to drive through the whole uh, the whole nah. lower lower speed cars. Now I'm talking about my NAS race coming up. Well. Um, before we go on, let's go off script, Mike. What is this you just posted that looks pretty interesting here? Uh, you want to jump ahead to the Sebring 12 hours? Um, I guess we can go ahead and cover it, even though it's usually in events. Um, kick it off with this little event while I pull it up on the script. Well, Sebring 12, of course, is this weekend. VCO, uh, who is the sponsor, I guess, they have a... Guess your split contest when $100 iRacing credits. You need to tweet them with your guests uh, for the split for Saturday's 12 o'clock GMT time slot. Uh, out of all the right predictions, we'll draw the winner of the $100 iRacing credit. So you need to get out on the twit twit and tell them what split you're going to hit and uh, maybe win some credits. That's pretty cool. Yep. And you talk- Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Well, well say, you've heard us talk about the event coming up, and here's the, here's the quick overview again. It's the Sebring 12. It's an iRacing special event. It's running the standard start time. Got to have a license, a road license D 4.0 to run it. Um, there's a whole bunch of balance of power that we covered last week, so we're not going to go over those. It's 12 hours. It kind of starts in the morning and ends, ends kind of in dusk into the evening time. Got to have at least two guys running the race and get a fair share. And it's the IMSA class cars. And um, so, yeah, that's going on this weekend. I did see, um, I did notice on the website that they're switching over to, while the while the endurance event's going on, you'll only be able to register for races with you user interface. I don't know if that's even on the script or not, but I happened to see that on the website just a few minutes ago. Oh, the other breaking news that happened right before recording is we got a tweet here from iRacing of a graphic of a weather forecast uh, that has rain, light rain in the forecast. Hmm. Two days before the Sebring 12 hours too. The, they're not going to release like something like that for Sebring. That would be, that would, that would cause a rebellion. Well, the timing is kind of suspect, right? Now we said that about Daytona. I was running that. I'm not running Sebring. So now I'm interested. Right, maybe you want to run Sebring to be part of the first no. uh, race with rain. Nope, but I'll watch it. No, I do not want to <laughs> practice and I do not want to drive in rain, having never driven in rain before. 
Uh, so yeah, that's a little insane. I, I do. It's interesting though, that it, uh, this might be a simple way to, to make the weather algorithms work um, that it just kind of has a, a forecast of when the rain might be. I just hope that there's, there can still sometimes be some kind of chance that it's percentage based instead of it's always guaranteed you're going to have rain at this spot because especially in places like Daytona, sometimes the rain just goes right north or right south of the, of the, uh, of the track. I, I wonder if they'll run a server along the other splits and try to get that real weather mapping that they're trying to get and just have like a, and I'm not saying this right, but like a fake session going and seeing how the weather develops and that as like a test, but nobody's going to be racing on it. It's just going to be an open sim, I guess. You know, as I look at this graphic over and over, what this could be, this could be a screenshot of like the software behind the, the weather, behind the rain. Like, you, like they're wanting to use real weather patterns. They're in, they have to import them into making some kind of system for them. They're showing the weather patterns uh, based on practice, qualifying and race, you know, wh what time of day it'll be. Maybe that's what we're looking at here the actual tool to do it. And so if that's the case, you would see that it would rain right at the end of practice and going into the start of qualifying. But then for the race, it's this overcast. Now back to what David's saying, you would see that as your forecast, but it's not a hundred percent. Like it's gotta be, it still has to happen. Like it wouldn't like be in 80%. real life. Right. Probability. Well, gosh, right? That's exciting. That's what, well, we don't know. We don't know what I'm saying is I hope that it's percentage based and not just pro absolute you're going to have rain from here to here. So do you want to see this graphic as you're loading in to see what the forecast is going to be before the race? This would be probably the simplest way to do it instead of having to actually look at a radar um, that would take up the least amount of uh, CPU time and, and eye power by just looking at it and concentrating. Yeah. Eye racing, take your time, make this right. This sounds the way we're describing it sounds incredible. Very cool. And uh, for them to tease it uh, right here before the Sebring is maybe cruel. I don't know. <laughs> now, I had mentioned that I don't, I mentioned that I mostly drive GTP or GTE. Um, Tom had to back out of driving with us this weekend. So I'm running with the Mad Sim guys, a couple of guys who needed an additional LMP2 driver. So I've been driving the 217 all week. It, it's not that different than the DTP. In fact, you can sling it around a little bit more aggressively. It's kind of stuck to the track a little bit more than the, than the prototype is. So we'll see how that goes this weekend. All right, Justin, we had, you were just talking a little bit earlier about dirt. So tell us about this dirt console game update. Yeah, we got the World of Outlaws Dirt Racing Series 2023 season update. It is expected for PlayStation Xbox platforms in late summer. It'll also include new paint schemes and drivers for World of Outlaws Sprint Car and late model drivers. Three, the three new tracks and even the new series with further details to be released closer to launch. The 2023 season update will be an add-on to the world of outlaws dirt racing series following the conclusion of the 2022 season pass so has anybody played this game 
I all actually have with my PC. I've played it over a friend of mine's house. Uh, it was fun. I had I was able, I had to use a a, a, cons, a console gamepad, so he didn't have a wheel. So um, that was really tricky to get used to. I mean, I haven't done a racing game with a console uh, gamepad in a long time, but um, it wasn't too bad. Uh, it was pretty cool. Um, the uh, the um, kind of career mode is really neat. I like that aspect of it. Um, and uh, it's I only played AI, so I didn't get a chance to do any online stuff. But it was for, for as far as console racing games go, it was it was very good. So I, I, I thought it was all right. I thought I, it was uh, worth it. I just wondered what it compared to to the iRacing version. Um, it's it's definitely more arcadish as far as the driving goes. Um, it's a lot more forgiving. Um, the the uh, wrecking you know making contact with cars is a lot more forgiving stuff like that is a uh, makes it makes it seem a lot more console ish um, and uh, but the racing the racing itself was wasn't too bad you you can run in uh, third person perspectives like you do in a lot of console games it's not a forced uh, first person like uh, like i racing is so uh, you have you have that option. Which is kind of fun if you if you you know you don't have triple monitors and you can't see around you at least at least that way you can see the cars around you and stuff like that. Um, but um, yeah, if if uh, if dirt racing is your thing and you don't have a PC, I would definitely recommend it. Coming to Nintendo Switch this fall. I was about to ask about that because you had added that to the title, but it wasn't in any of the uh, it wasn't in the summary. That's interesting. I've got a lot of students who bring their Nintendo Switches to school. Yeah, they're very popular. Uh, my son and his girlfriend have them, and they use them all the time. And that's going to open up a big audience of people by uh, porting to that. Well, we're talking about this all the time, so and this is kind of one of my favorite topics. So I'm going to pull this one up. Uh, Pro driver Scott McGoughlin, he sent out a tweet, and he basically said, or he didn't basically say, this is the quote, I have no doubt my iRacing experience in the IMSA championship has helped getting me up to speed, particularly in traffic. The traffic patterns are so similar. He highly recommends for any young drivers that want to get a head start on practice for the big league. That's his two cents. And that's, so that's really good to hear. So what I like about this is you get a lot of opinions from people uh, that aren't on iRacing, and they're admittedly not on iRacing, but they'll give you an opinion of, oh, it's not going to help you. But these are always awesome to hear and read and, and get to hear their perspective. But uh, this is just proof in the pudding um, that this can be a tool to help you out in the real world. Stories yeah. like these you know, are just so good. Go ahead, Joseph. Stories like these are just so good for our platform. I, I just love hearing them. Well, how many of y'all have gotten to drive a car in like a rusty Rolex experience or anything like that, or even even full-blown unlimited go-karts, anything like that? How many of you have gotten to do that? Right. Crickets. Y'all haven't? No. no. Oh, okay. Well, I've gotten to drive late model at Memphis and um, also um, at Gateway. They actually had a road course with, with, with full power uh, go-karts. And in both situations, I could, I could feel the iRacing experience kicking in. When I was in the, when I was in the late model, it, it felt like I was literally in iRacing. The only thing I struggled with is the, the clutch was super heavy. I, I had had no problem driving clutch cars on street cars, but I kept stalling the car. And so they basically gave me a push start. Once I got rolling, it was a piece of cake. Um, but even when, when we were doing the little road course, I, 
I, I knew how to read the corners that were the multi-turn corners and where to sacrifice exit so that I had a better entrance to the next corner and, th- and things like that. So it, you, there's so much in racecraft that you, you can gain. You know, it, it is amazing that when he says the traffic patterns are so similar, I mean, that really shows the realism, you know, like when he says, oh, you know, I'm going through traffic and it's like this and I I catch the car in this corner. It's going to be I have to go to this way. I mean, it, and he's basically saying it's the same. And, you know, it's a, it's a great training tool. I also want to bring up another uh, late tweet that came in right before recording because related to this. In this case, Max Verstappen uh, was mentioned by Team Redline. He said, Max was already competing in iRacing less than 24 hours after the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. He then won the next 10 out of 10 races, pulling out a 19.8 second gap in a, a 5,600 SOF rate. His attitude Sunday killed me. I hope he doesn't go down a dark path. path. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, Max would rather be running Sebring, you know, getting ready for the 12 hour than, you know, really being in his real car. I mean, that's the feeling I get because he, he rushes right back to do it. Well, I can uh, give you a quick personal story about uh, iRacing helping out in real life. Um, I, I did uh, an, um, one of those 24 hours of lemon races um, many years ago, and they had it at New Jersey Motorsport Park, which is um, a test track in iRacing. I had never been on the track at all. And, you know, that's, I took the, uh, the Mazda and just did a lot of laps uh, going around that track. And, you know, none, nobody else on my team had any experience there. So I was the first one to go up because I had, I had that iRacing experience and it helped quite a, it helped a lot. It helped a ton because I, I didn't know what I was going to do if I, if, um, if I didn't have an idea where the track, you know, how the track ran and uh, it worked perfectly for that. Well, you know, one track that is kind of crazy hard to memorize or, or is Nuremberg. And this next challenge kind of blows my mind because it took me forever just to kind of get around it okay and complete a lap without wrecking going the right direction. But fellow, fellow podcaster yeah, take over, Mike. and friend of the podcast, Mupar Gaming, he put out the challenge, how fast can you get around the Nuremberg backwards? So um, he's been tweeting us to do it, and I was going to do it, but I didn't have the car. I'm like, I'm not going to buy the car just to do it. I uh, put it out to the team. You guys ignored it. So we didn't do it at the podcast, but guess who did it? Our buddy Dave Cam did it. He took him up on uh, Mupar Gaming's challenge, and he ran a six-minute, 55-second, uh, beating Mupar Gaming by 29 seconds. Well done, Dave. So Dave's video shows specifically how he did it and how he figured out the time. He went into a test session, and he had to look at the replay to figure out the time. And uh, well done. Uh, you guys see if you can beat Dave's time. These kind of things are fun to me. Uh, one quick thing, Dave, uh, because... I'm always interested in trying something that's out of the norm. Like we, we always go in here and we just do our race. We move on, but this is a little out of the norm. This is like a challenge and I love challenges. So, um, if you guys are listening out there, think up a challenge like this, like what other track might be really, you know, epic to do backwards. 
Well, I don't can't really think of anything that's more epic than Nurburg as far as gr- the scale. Or Nurburgring, I mean, not Nurburg. It's just so much longer. It's very hard. I, it, like you said, it took me forever to figure out how to get around there. Lots of times, guys, when I can't find a race to get in or, I, you know, the races aren't populated or whatever, that's what I do. I jump in a car. I get on the ring. I just make a couple laps. Man, there's 30 minutes right there. All right, Donnie, tell us about the Gen 4 at Atlanta. Yeah, so I'm not sure if it's the Gen 4. It's a 2012 Cup car. Uh, but Michael Connie took it out on Atlanta, the new configuration, and just shows us what the possibilities could be if we up the horsepower. Um, and it's fantastic. He's lifting in the corner. He's braking. Um, and it looks like a real, I don't want to say real track, but it looks like a normal mile and a half track as opposed to a miniature super speedway. But um, so what the 2012, would that be the end of the COT and the beginning of the Gen 6? Sorry. Yeah, so, yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of people, I know everybody's complaining about Atlanta with this current car, and it is what it is, but there's a lot of people in the real world saying that once the track starts to age, they think it's going to age quicker um, than normal, which I don't understand how that's going to happen, that the racing will become better, but uh, we'll have to see. Uh, More horsepower, the better. Yeah, they're still running the lower horsepower package there, though. They're not giving them the 750. They're only getting the 550, so it's it's just, it's... It's bad racing. It's um, the only place it sort of works is the plate tracks, and I still don't like those. Oh, for, and you know, they're it's just not racing when you don't have to get off the gas. Do you think they'll consider giving the seven fifty since the last race was so clean? <laughs> no, they're too scared. No, if they can get fast enough that the cars can get airborne, they won't let them. It's too much banking, they'll go too fast, probably. Yeah, it's a for them, it's a safety concern. All right, Mike, here's a big one. It's a good one. Uh, the state of e NASCAR with Elliot Sadler Esports co owner Seth Reeder. And uh, this is an article by Justin Melillo, and I pulled out a, a couple key quotes. Um, Justin really provides us an es- education about a little bit behind the scenes of the Coke race. Uh, the Coke series. Well, here's one of them. Before entering the Coke level, ESE was one of the many back-end teams running drivers through the ranks to get to the top level. For the two, for the first two Coke seasons, it was able to run with drivers in-house. This season, that dynamic has changed as their two team drivers have come from another back-end team. Reader was able to collect two drivers from a different back-end team, Dead Zone Racing in both Derek Bardot and Cody Bias. Despite this, he continues to sit atop the spotter stand for Garrett Mains in 2023, while also being the co-owner for ESE. He says this, quote, we scaled back and decided we're not going to build. We won't be the back-end sim team in 2023. We have two drivers that actually don't drive for us this year, Reader said. The former ESE driver Mains is currently working with Victory One. Other members, which include Malik Ray, Kevin King, and Joey Brown, all drivers on different teams in the Coke series. Yeah, Mike, uh, Justin went on to review the state of the sport uh, with Reader, uh, quoting, I just don't think at the moment that it's an entirely healthy esports model, Reader said. The pillars of the series are these back end sim teams that are putting in hours and hours and hours of work to be successful. 
Those are the guys that nobody talks about. They make this series happen with the amount of time they put in and they deserve the recognition. And that's the end of the quote there. It's not just about the drivers. It's about the whole group behind them. And from what it sounds like, there isn't enough funding to warrant it all. The promoted official teams get the praise and recognition, but all at the end of the day, they've been elevated due to the back-end teams that put their drivers at the top. I think I think he's kind of missing the ball here. What we have to get in the series is a meritocracy. You have to race your way in. What you have to do to be an owner is have money. Okay, so all the teams are basically bought into the system. It's basically a, a part of the sponsorship going into the prize fund and the, and the sponsorship. And that's that's where the split is, is each owning each team owner can have two drivers that they can sign on. But the, but they have to go for drivers that earn their way in. So what's happening is all these back end teams that are working together are are helping bring those guys in. But the real split is the fact that once that driver earns his way in, he's just go, go to whatever owner happens to be paying the entry fee for the, for the top division. So a c- couple questions. So in order for me to be in the Coke series one day, I have to have a team of drivers testing my car, putting hours and hours and hours into it. Um, also what's the overhead to own a Coke series team? I'm, I'm curious. Well, I had that recent uh, downshift podcast from iRacing where they interviewed Tony Kanaan, who is a new Coke series owner. And Tony talked about what it cost. He actually has put his own money into it uh, at, at the beginning before the sponsors got started. He said that he bought direct drives and other equipment for his two drivers um, to get them you know, some on some good stuff. So he, he dropped some money. And he also had to pay iRacing money for the, for the charters of it, I guess, basically. Right. I think there's something to that. I don't know how much it is or anything, but I mean, ultimately what can really be done? Uh, it's up to the teams. These are all private contractors. It's up to the teams to give credit to the guys they want to. And it's those drivers who are being a part of the team, whether they're getting the public accolades or not, they're doing it because they, they like the racing and they love being associated with those guys. So um, uh, I'm tempted to pull out the uh, the old communist Soviet Union theme song and play it, it in here if we're worried about <laughs> about the, the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer you know, in this system. I have an idea. I mean, you got to spread the wealth is, is my answer. I mean – the way that da, 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 da. <laughs> the way the wealth is structured is uh, the the winner is getting the majority of that three hundred thousand, right? He's getting a third of it, I believe, and then everyone else is getting the rest of it, which amounts just to a few thousand dollars each. Okay, so does the winner need to take less so the rest of the field can have more? And then the other answer is grow the series with natural sponsorship and get more of a prize pool going. Well, Let's get it up to like some magic number, like a million bucks. And then guess what? Then the drivers who are recruited, maybe they have deals with their team like, oh, you know, I'm going to take X amount of percentage of this, you know, prize money. And, you know, it goes to my spotter. X amount goes to my crew chief. X amount goes to the setup guy. And, and so forth. And so the dead zone people or the people on the back end teams, as they call it, they get some of the love, so to speak, uh, because what readers really talking about in this 
this article is burnout. We, I mean, there was a whole section about drivers retiring prematurely. Uh, and this is the reason, I mean, cause there's so much work and there's so many hours and there's so much, uh, you know, not enough money behind it. I think. What different well, would the product look if these were just drivers who practice themselves, put their own time in and uh, raced once a week, what would the product look any different? Shut up. How about that? First of all, spread, spreading the money out more evenly among the winners, that's not going to do anything for the back-end teams, all right? Because th that, it, other than rewarding mediocrity, but that, that doesn't control what the front-end teams give to the back-end teams. That's completely those are non sequiturs they're not related second of all it's the, these lead drivers that are burning out so they're putting in the hours too they're not just having somebody else test for them and then they show up just on race day they're turning the laps themselves so is the problem real problem really the back end guys not getting enough credit or is the problem that it's simply just not paying enough i like donnie's idea though Let, fix setup coke racing fix you know, setups and, and suck it, what, what, what about the quality of life, though, of those guys? I mean, what would happen to their quality of life if it all of a sudden became fixed? Nobody's holding a gun to their head saying they have to race. <laughs> all right? Well, I Nobody like the is. open All by up. choice. I like, I like that no, it has hey, to be the open. dead zone guys have hit on something, and you see those guys running good. Or the leg, you know, the, the victory one guys have hit on something, and those guys are running good this week. I like that kind of you know, that, that element of it, as far as the open setup goes. Fixed setups also always favor a certain style of driving, especially whether it's tire saving or people who like a tight car or people, or um, the races that I did the best at in, in the winter series were where the fixed setup was too loose. Right. I don't know. Those are the ones where I had where everybody was like, oh, my God, we're going to die. We're going to die. Everybody was really careful. We had long runs because nobody was brave enough to race each other. And I could take care of my I could drive the loose car and would finish better than normal. I would think there'd be more cautions also, too, because it would keeps the skill level a little bit tighter. It can't get on. I think the open setups help them spread out a little bit, if that makes sense. That's the reason I do open. Uh, Mike wants to move on. I don't know. I, but yeah, well, that was, um, it's interesting. I just, you know, they've got to, uh, it's just ultimately will kind of, a, it's open market. If, if too many people burn out, then the market will adjust. Right. So I'll, I'll take the last word on that one. That nah, makes sense. All right. Uh, Donnie, why are simulators important? McLaren F1 driver Lando Norris walks us through his new cool performance simulator and why it's so important to his success in the motorsports world. He talks about what you need, the customization, the steering, and the look. And if you look at his rig, it's nothing crazy like you would you would think it would be for an F1 F1 driver, but it's uh he just wants certain ergonomic things to to be good and kind of similar to his his F1 cockpit. But if you look at him, he's racing in a GT style seat. He's not leaned back or laying down like his in his F1 car. So uh, what'd you guys think? Well, uh, first thing I noticed is that he said, uh, this is in his house in Monaco. So I don't think you need to be spending a whole lot of time indoors if you live in Monaco anyway. But uh, so <laughs> that's my first thought. So the other part of that, Donnie, is that second link in the article, coolperformance.com, is uh, his 
cockpit and his sponsor as well. So there's a reason he's running this particular cockpit because he's sponsored by them. And I think that's really what this video is behind. But he does, you know, talk about several different things like uh, how he customizes it, uh, adjusting the the steering angle, the seat angle, the distance from the pedals, that kind of stuff. He talks about the look. He said he's really into the carbon fiber and and he ordered, you know, special bits that had carbon fiber on them and that kind of thing. And he shows them off. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I take a little bit back. He uh, that's rig. It looks like is twenty four thousand euros. So not very basic from what I said earlier. But it's got a lot of the standard that you know. It's it's going to be a sturdy rig. It's got the triples. He's got. Um, I'm not sure what the base is, but you see him a one glance. He's got the butt kicker in there. And I do remember reading about how important it was to get the pedals in the right place and the, in the seat and everything when I first got my rig. And it looks like, I, I don't know if you're on the site, David, but it looks like he's got hydraulics mounted to the frame itself that are actually, that's actually a pretty cool setup. Looks like it's for the brakes, but it's just mounted along the frame rail. Yeah. And I don't recognize the make, but it, that's definitely a hydraulic brake. Holy cow. So at coolperformance.com, I mean, how to describe this for the audio listeners, I mean, it's flat wood almost. It's probably not wood. It's metal, though. Uh, but it looks like it could be copied into wood uh, along the sides. Uh, and then a very large, large uh, pedal base, oversized. Yeah, I walked back my comments. This is not a basic rig. It's actually, it's, uh, it's actually pretty spectacular. Well, when you see it on the the where you buy it, it looks a lot different than when he shows it in the video because he doesn't really give a good a lot of good shots of it. There's a lot of close-ups and different things. So, but when you get on the website and you see a, you know how this rig is designed, yeah, it's quite different. It's real clean looking, I think. What do you think that is? Is it wood or is it metal? Uh, it's most likely a steel plastic. No, I don't know. It's a steel. Yeah. I bet it's heavy. That's a cool performance, though. They have, um, you know, they have a GT style, which just looks like what he has, and they have a formula style. I, w- I would have thought he would have had a formula style, but I guess he probably races more GTs than than uh, anything in iRacing. Yeah, that formula style keeps you limited to the formula, the cars, I bet, but uh, probably right over the camera's shoulder is his formula, formula one. Just always wondered if it's less comfortable, too. Laying down? It's sort of laying down, but you're also kind of holding your neck up. I don't know. I would have to experience it to really know the answer. I just think it'd feel weird. I don't know. You probably have to take a while to get used to. Well, something quite a few of us probably haven't experienced in a while is these six forgotten iRacing tracks. It was a, a video posted by DJ YJ. Well, that's a funny name. Um, and he's got six of them going from the Legacy Pocono which has four road course configurations. That sounds exciting. I think Mike should go for that. He's always looking for challenges. Uh, Irwindale, the outer inner, which is the outer of one and two and the inner of three and four. Uh, that, okay, that's interesting. Is that, that's not the figure inner. eight, is it? Jelly yeah, it button? is the figure eight. Okay. It, 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 it's not with the figure eight. It's still an oval, but it's, when you do it with the outer inner, it looks like an egg instead of an oval, you know, because the two inners are real narrow and the outers are really wide. So it's a, it's really neat looking. 
Right. It's weird too because there's a transition as you go from outer to inner, inner to outer, and uh, and the car is upset and so forth. So he, he was suggesting that you know you could only run it maybe if you had a special set or something. Then we've got Hell RX, which is a short road course. That's a rally that, track, I believe. It is, but uh, the on Hell, uh, it's actually um, all pavement on the on this short road course, but the pits are all on dirt. So you start in, on dirt in the pits, and it switches over to asphalt once you get to the short road. So, which set of tires does it run? Is, is it running rally cars? Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, uh, he was he in the video he used a Formula Ford, but it was struggling on the dirt uh, pit. I was road. Say, if trying to run slicks on the on a on a dirt pit road would be hilarious. All right. And these three, I guess it, it says have never been used for race sessions. And that's uh, the Stanford Mini Mile, which is only available in test drive. The Oxford Plains Mini. And he wonders if that's the shortest track in iRacing. And then Summit Point Oval, which is basically an access road. Yeah. So think about Summit Point. He's got almost a... Uh, an oval or half oval on one side and then it is an access road that makes the, the rest of the oval it's really narrow too um but him and his buddies got out there and run it and see what they could do with it pretty cool i yeah these kind of things i i love videos like this because you know what oddball facts about iRacing you know and you know when he talked about the legacy pocono four road courses he kind of focused on the one that's down by turn one the oval uh, where you go through turn one and right as you come out of turn one there, you take a hard left uh, onto like a frontage road kind of thing. And then kind of come out over uh, at the exit of pit road and come back around again. I'm curious about Oxford mini because Oxford's short as it is. Yeah. I watched that part. It's a one-tenth of a mile <laughs> one-tenth of a mile. That's so small. It's like wow. a, qu a quarter the size of L.A. Coliseum. I don't know what you would run on there other than like the little plastic cars that kids use, you know? <laughs> His math was questionable on the one-tenth of a mile, but so how he calculated that one. was he calculated somehow by uh, how many pixels wide it was versus how many pixels wide a, a different track was. I don't know, but yeah, it is super short. It's just like you just come out onto the track just uh, for just about 10 or 15 feet and then you just go right back into the infield and it's just a little circle is all it is and it's only like one lane wide too there's no pa way to pass or anything it's weird that they even put that in there and maybe it's an rc car track there you go what do we got next here justin uh, we got SimSeats is having a contest where whichever eNASCAR driver gets the most tags gets dibs on driving at the next event. And they got a tweet out here. I don't know exactly where the event is at. Looks like VIR. You look at the screenshot. Yeah, it's a VIR, Summit Point, Watkins Glen, Charlotte, Roval, Road Atlanta, and more. Oh, there's the list. Yeah, I was looking at the actual track, and I was trying to – I think that's Virginia. It looks a lot so like some point, uh, too. It's a 1989 BMW race car. Who is the most popular driver in eNASCAR? Well, I'm kind of scrolling Casey. down. I'm looking. I would say Casey Kerr would be my guess without looking. 
It depends on if you a want lot to of the, jump uh, on the road drivers because some of those road guys are, and you know, there's a big sports car community in iRacing. So, but based on my rough calculation, looking at the replies, it's Michael Cozy Jr. Oh wow, that's a surprise. He's a rookie, um, but he's he's been in a lot of big races. Um, you know, he won the Firecracker a bunch, a couple times, and stuff like that. He's got some help. Uh, he's got some Twitter help for sure to get yeah. that ride. <laughs> <laughs> go help out Michael Cozy Jr., guys. Well, he lives in Hagerstown, Maryland, which is only about like 20, 30 minutes from Summit Point, I think. Seriously. I mean, if you keep scrolling, it just goes on forever. I bet he hired like some bots to do it or something. Like he's got like rough, uh, seriously, 80% of the votes. Doesn't say you can't cheat. You ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? <laughs> That's right. It's racing, right? There's not a whole lot of background on this next one because I can't go look at it, Mike. So I'm sure you uh, might know what's going on here. You know, you think I would, but the way our content flow works is like I find something that I think is going to be a good topic. I don't look at it really. And if, if I think it might be good, I just email it to myself. So I'll look at it later. Well, this is one of those things I sent to myself later. So I don't really remember what it was, but it was a heated discussion. I uh, thought it was going to be a good topic for the show, but the thread got deleted from the forum, the forums before we got our screenshot. But it, the topic was, why did we let the car of tomorrow go unrestricted? So my question for the group is, what do you think the topic was about if that was the title? Why did it get deleted? I can't best yeah. guess is something to do with the way the Gen 4 happened as well. But they, they just kind of chose to do that after the Gen after the next gen came out, didn't they? And it when it kind of more specifically when the next gen came out that they they switched the COT to unrestricted? Or was it even before next gen came out? It was before that, yeah. I think it was when Gen 6 came out, obviously. Um at some point they did it, but I don't know why. It was I wanted to know why, but it's too bad it got deleted. I, I really don't remember it happening immediately after. Maybe it was when, because gen, the Gen 6 was, was high horsepower one year, and then they dropped it to the low house port horsepower shit. And I think that's when they came with the COT being unrestricted. Maybe that, maybe that's, uh, maybe a listener might remember better, but that's, that's my, I think that's what happened. Because it came out when they, when they put all the tapered spacers on the, on the Gen 6 cars. Look, I mean, you got Dale Earnhardt Jr., for Christ's sake, as the director of iRacing. He's like the best NASCAR historian on the planet. I mean, we should be able to figure this out. We should be able to have every single-gen NASCAR car and have it just perfect, you would think. You would think. Well, remember also that the COT wasn't restricted except for restrictor plate races, but when they made this change, they left it open at restrictor plate races too. I tell you what, I can't tell you how much fun I've had and hosted uh, Chris McGuire at Talladega in that car, the gen five unrestricted. Uh, I kick butt at that particular combination. It's pretty fun. All right, Brian, all this next topic says is fastest lap. Yeah. So um, this actually is a, looks like it's a company that um, has simulators that you can rent and uh, race with your buddies and stuff. Um, they offer um, use of full motion simulators for iRacing and drifting for a set of Corsa with, uh, with uh, triple monitors or virtual reality. They use a uh, reverb G2. Um, 
for their headsets. So um, they have four top-of-the-line motion simulators with three degrees of freedom. Each simulator features uh, force feedback steering with semi-cube to sport uh, wheelbases and load cell, load cell pedals with uh, from Heiskenveld wind simulators as well uh, and they're actually located in uh, the north part of evansville indiana so if you're in that area and you're looking to uh, check out uh, one of these uh, rigs that are uh, full motion vr triples whatever you want to try and uh, they have them there at this place called fastest lap now, this looks pretty neat there there's a disadvantage of going somewhere to race in that you don't have everything set up just the way you like but Say it's one of our newer guys who hasn't really built their their hardware up yet, or you want to find out if you're going to get motion sick or not, then this is the place to go. Forty five bucks an hour. If you uh, the lowest price is fifteen dollars for fifteen minutes. If you do multiple hours, you can get the price as low as thirty six dollars an hour. That's that sounds similar to racing at a at a real go kart track, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Only if it was a little bit closer. It's in my in my state, Indiana. And how far away is that from you? About four and a half hours. And oh wow! I mean, so it's actually in the southern part of the state, southwest, and I'm north. No, and I'm northeast, so complete opposite corners. And yeah, I mean, I wish him luck. We've heard of sev several of these popping up over the last couple of years, but I haven't actually seen one that's opened up. So this might be the first one that got going. Well, I, I Googled actually a population at Evansville and, you know, for, I live in Fort Wayne and it's not that big of a uh, city. So I was very surprised seeing something like that there. Do you remember, Mike, that one that was last summer, I believe, the guy wanted to make like this whole restaurant formula-style cockpits, that whole nine yards? Yeah, Nashville. Yeah, yeah Nashville, that's right. I don't know if yeah, that ever guy, got up and going. I still follow him on Instagram, and um, he, he's, he's basically selling cockpits now. I don't think it got up and running. I think he's selling cockpits. They're like full everything you know all, all put together as a package you know like for 20 30 grand or something he calls himself podium one racing so justin i'm looking on on google maps and it looks like it's a bunch of towns that have kind of grown together right here on the ohio river it, it it's not that it's not really that tiny it's right on i-55 as well yeah when i read the about section of their website they said they would draw uh, customers from the tri uh, state area or something like that from other across the border. Yeah, yeah it's, it's as close to me as it is to you down in Ar from down in Arkansas. I can get there in four and a half hours. <laughs> we'll meet there someday. I remember in the 90s going to like computer rooms like this, but playing Counter-Strike back when you couldn't afford uh, fast internet and you had to do like LAN parties or something. I remember running coaxial cable between two bedrooms so just so i could play doom you want to really go back to the old days yeah i remember uh i remember a couple of friends of mine bringing their pcs over to my house so we could all plug up together and race those big heavy monitors that were so awkward would you guys go to something like this if you had it in your town and how long would you and how long would you keep that habit up i think it would depend on if i could get the setup at home or not 
Yeah, I don't. I would go to try it, but I wouldn't be a repeat customer probably. How, how do you feel sitting on other people's rigs, Mike? It's kind of weird, right? I think so, because you get so used to your own. If you're, you know, it'd be really weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I would get to the point I'd see $45 keep going. I'd be like, okay, it's time to buy myself one. Yeah. I guess it'd be hard for us maybe to hang out with some, some friends or whatever. Take some friends that aren't in this hobby like you are and take them to something like this. Because God forbid they actually touch your rig. That's, that's, a, that's a sin as it is. But yeah, take them to something like this, I guess. Every time I've brought somebody to my rig, they've gotten motion sickness. Yeah, I've had that too, just from the VR. All right, well, we already covered uh, Sebring, but we also have Nürburgring coming up pretty soon. It's another multi-class event, and um, it's going to be GT3 cars, the BMW, Mercedes, Porsche. In the GT4 class, we'll have the Aston Martin and the Porsche 718. And then there will be the single mate class of the 992 Porsche for GT3. That's the cup, Porsche Cup car as well as the touring car, the Audi RS3. Um, and then also the spec car, the Toyota GR86. So there's going to be a lot of classes in this. The race length is four to six hours. That's that's interesting that, the, that, the, that it's not the 24-hour. So this is... Oh, this is, not, this is not a special event. This is kind of more like a... Series. Kind of a series, yeah. I saw that and I was like, huh? So I guess sometimes it'll be four, sometimes it'll be six. Teaming, team racing is actually not required, but it is enabled. Dynamic weather. And the time slots are going to be Saturday at 7 GMT and 17.30 GMT, as well as Sunday at 1 GMT and 13 GMT. Qualifying is attached with a 10-minute practice and a 30-minute qualifying. Because, yeah, it takes forever to just make a single lap there. Um, the penalties are 50 incidents stop and go, and then every 20 afterwards. And it looks like almost all of the events are going to be four hours, except for the July 15th one, which will be a 16-hour. This is great. I, if, if my work schedule didn't conflict with this, which I think it does, I would be all over this because I'm ready. I've been running this track. I know it. I feel confident. I don't know what tr car I'd run, probably the, the, the spec car. Looks like fun. And why it's going to be fun is the traffic. I, you know, you have all these different speed cars all on the track together. You're going to be, you know, you, depending on which one you're in, you're going to be in heavy traffic. Yeah, pretty cool. Well, it's a big-ass track, so it actually gets really thin. How many total cars per? It does not does say. say. Pretty cool. All right, Donnie. How about this us, other one? Yeah, yeah, Donnie, we got the Speedway 500 coming up with um, a new update. They've changed the car. Yeah, so it's the major Speedway 500, and they are going to go with the Delara IR01 as their car. They're going to race at Indy 500 miles. So this is the majors, we'll call it the Indy 500, but it's the Speedway 500. That's what they're labeling it, and they're using the IR01. So I was, I was torn between this if I'm going to run it or not. Um, I think I still may. Then I was looking, I was like, oh, let me join some Dallara races where I can start getting used to this car. And I go to the Dallara IR01 schedule, and I was kind of blown away by the participation. Would you guys guess it's a, a uh, popular or not a popular series? It's been dead up to now this that, point. So the last road series. So the yeah, last five races, a field size of eight, one, four, three, and one. So on that topic, 
Donnie. Uh, Delara Dash, one of my favorite series. It's been gutted too. I mean, you used to be able to find a Delara Dash race that was populated day or night, any time of day. Now it's empty. Okay. I went in there last night about, I don't know, 10 p.m. my time. Nobody in there, not a single person in the room. Yeah, I'm looking so, at the, the race results here. It, the last six races, 11, 9, 1, 2, 1, 1. So, David, um, you're, you have more of a pulse on this particular series. You've been doing it a lot longer than, than I have. Uh, what are people's thoughts on it? I'm sure there's some trepidation of the fact that, we're, that they're doing – well, I'll, I'll be running – that we're doing a fictional car – but they they took a poll. They basically put it out there and said we got we could do a classic car, or we could do the the IR eighteen and skip the broadcast, or we could do the IR one and still have our broadcast. And the vote was overwhelmingly for the for, to do the IR one and have the broadcast. So that's the call they made. I'm curious how it drives. I just I'm probably just going to pick it up just to give it a go. And I'm disappointed with that Delara Dash mic. I thought it was going to be more popular than that but those numbers are kind of crazy but um yeah i'm hoping this works has anybody tried it have you heard anybody talk about testing it at indy to see how it works it's too far away for me to worry about it yet no but i've been running delara dash when it is populated and i've been having a blast i've won uh once or twice now uh but texas oh my gosh that was so much fun um in that car it, it is a blast i think it'll be fine for indy to be honest with you It'll probably be better than the Indy car. Yeah, you have they have all these ovals in the Delar Dash, but they did not put Indy on the schedule. They're yeah, they're just trying to stay away from it. Ten foot pole, you know. Yeah. Um they are but since they chose this car, they are gonna be able to uh broadcast it. There'll be unlimited splits. They're expecting over three hundred drivers between the two regions. They're gonna do thirty three car grids with bump qualifying and a fast six shootout. Um, they get coins out basically as their trophies. Um, also, they're giving out milk bottles to the top split winners. And, That's cool. I like that. Yeah. And um, and absolutely, and the the number one thing at the bottom that has has a little fire icon about it is uh, absolutely no MSG. I was going to ask what that was, but I think I figured it out. Yeah, registrations are going to be open on April the seventeenth. It's going to be on May sixth and seventh. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because nobody's gonna have anything to go off of this year. It's everybody's gonna have to develop something new. I'm sure there will be teams getting together and developing some sets, but uh, yeah, this is uh, uncharted territory, I guess. Actually, looking forward to it. Now I'm talking myself into it. One thing that'll be interesting and, is this car doesn't have the uh, weight jacker, so you're not you're gonna have to have a little bit more balanced set that doesn't get too pushed tight in traffic, but that you can still control in the corner. Because in the old in the IR18, you can basically flip a switch when you were in traffic versus when you were in the front. Interesting. Any other? Can you do the front or rear ARBs in this one? That I don't know. Records lap times too. You know, for a four lap average, like this is going to be higher than any Indy car time. Um, should be interesting. It might. It all depends on the handling because that oval package hasn't been out for very long. So they have that IR18, the IndyCar, dialed in pretty well. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. Podcast housekeeping. 
got a note from a listener, Nikki Bobby. He said, quote, I have a strange request. Usually I listen to the podcast at work on Fridays, but this weekend I'll be taking my wife car shopping to get her exactly what she wants. I was going to force her to listen on the two hour car ride to Sacramento. Can I get a shout out to her for letting me get back into sim racing and just being an all around great wife and mother? She could use, really use that boost in confidence. So shout out to Nikki Bobby and his uh, wonderful wife for letting him go sim racing. You know, fun story real quick, Mike, about Nikki Bobby here. I think it was my Atlanta race, my A Open last week. We got into a little bit of, um, I won't say, I, I think he might have slightly wrecked me. I didn't really wreck, I just got on the apron and held back. And he kept private messaging me, sorry, sorry, but I didn't have a, I can't type and drive, I just can't do that. And I believe my mic might have been disabled. But I was watching the replays and standing behind me later on was my son. He's like, oh, that guy's a part of the Discord. And I was like, oh, maybe that's why he was trying so hard to apologize. But uh, so I ended up getting in touch with him later and apologizing to him for not getting back to him when he was trying to apologize to me. So other than that, that's kind of cool. All right. And join us on the Discord. There's a lot of action going on over there and at our website, iRacersLounge.com. We're in regular performance at the performance we're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. All right, guys, it's time to talk some fantasy. What do you think, Brian? Well, uh, we had Atlanta Motor Speedway for the NASCAR boys, and uh, when uh, the winner of the week uh, was Stuart Haas Fanatic. So uh, Stuart Haas at least gets one win because uh, they sure haven't won anything this year in the real NASCAR. Um, G.I. Joe uh, 24X finished second. Third place was Silver Mustang. And coming out of nowhere, top top Tafosi finisher in P5 was another, uh, no other than Mixed Mage, <laughs> David Hall. How about that? Congratulations, David. Yeah, I kind of kept it a secret that I finally decided to play this game. I, I've never liked betting on sports in the past, but this isn't really betting so much. It's kind of just right. a prediction game, and enough of us are participating in it. That, and I, I'm not spending the, – the the amount of research I'm spending on it is basically listening to Door Bumper Clear and us on Thursday nights, and that's when I make my decision. So it's not, <laughs> it's not a huge time commitment. Dirty Mo Doe's yeah. been good, that new uh, Steve LaTarte podcast. But I think at one point you were running at the end, like towards the bottom, and my son recaps me like every five minutes on the standings, and I was like, yeah, you probably didn't put a lineup in. And then the next minute you were leading. I think Justin won stage one. Um, it was a uh, it was an interesting race going up and down the entire. Seems like that's been the whole season. You go oh, up high and then you, you crash down low. One of my guys I had was Ryan Blaney. He was down two laps for quite a while. Yeah, that was disappointing. But hey, he came uh, back. yeah, so that's that's why you were bouncing around then because he got back up there. Yeah, I picked Bubba over over Spent or Stenhouse, and then Bubba was our first caution of the race. So yeah, I was what I it had was. to take him. I had to take him and and replace him with Kyle Busch. I did the same thing. Yeah, I did the same exact thing. I'm trying to always put just a good, good, reliable driver in the garage that, that I want to save and in, in the garage as, as kind of my strategy. And then in, if the long shot's not doing well or one of my good guys gets dropped, I move him in. Yeah, all week I was saying I was going to take Corey LaJoy and I put Austin Dillon in instead of LaJoy for whatever reason and then it bit me. That's out. Yeah, I only heard like the last 30 laps of the race, in fact. Or no, I think I got out of my symphony gig right before the end of stage two and was able to look at the standings and see where Bubba was because I, I was not up to date on any of it until the final stage. 
McKenzie got a seventh. Uh, Steve Lyle in ninth. I see Nick Spiker tenth. Nice top ten. There's Greg in twelfth. I'm probably really still really low in the overall because the previous weeks I was down in the 40s every time. So we'll go over the uh, overall points lead so far. Uh, Mason Racing is uh, in first place with Silver Mustang, Silver Mustang 91 in second. Trick Dickelins is in third. Um, uh, leading the way for the Tafosi boys is uh, Stephen Lou Allen, who's in 11th place right now. Uh, so congratulations to, to Steve. And uh, we'll keep going from there. I think, uh, I think I'm in the second place uh, in 25th for Tafosi. So that's not saying too much about our, our, our results right now. So, Coda, um, we were talking on the chat this week about, I mean, who's going to pick the one of these road ringers that are coming in? Jensen Button. What's the other guy? Jordan Anderson, the fake Jeff Gordon guy. Jordan Taylor's winning, winning on Sunday. Jordan Taylor, yeah. Are you going to put him in your fantasy, Donnie? Oh, absolutely. I would, I would not be surprised if he wins, and I'd be shocked if he does bad. I'm putting my money on Dinger. So that's going to be one of those. I don't, I don't know if we're going to see a whole lot of movement this week because it's, it's going to be everybody picks all the road course guys, right? Most, most likely. I think what it's, car is Jordan in? He's in the nine car. Oh, okay. For Chase. And he's been testing that gen or the garage 56 car. So I think he's going to keep a, or catch a lot of people. I don't know. I think he's going to do well. I think he the, gets the a race goes or top yeah. three, maybe we'll find I out. I think Friday. he's going to qualify well, right? Yeah. It's what do you guys think? Green flag the whole entire time? No stages. There'll still be cautions. I guess it depends on where they're at. I don't know if there's a lot of sand there for them to get stuck in. But I'm, I'm glad they at least made that move in road courses because the road, stages really ruined a whole element of what, what was neat with the road courses back in the day. There was, there was zero fuel strategy in, this, in, in the stage racing. So it'll be uh, pit, uh, do your pit strategy backwards like it used to be, right? You, you wait till that final window and you pit as soon as it opens. So you're, you're the first car on the track that doesn't need gas. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash, good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, it's time for some hardware sponsored by, or hardware and software, sponsored by Metro Ford of Chicago. The first thing we're going to kick it off with, Mike, is a SimRacer Hub update. Yeah, uh, SimRacer Hub, if you don't know, is a website where leagues can track their, their championship points and whatnot and stats. So they've added in their update loop stats similar to those available in NASCAR are now available. Now for race events, you have access to a whole array of new statistics, including driver rating, average running position, quality passes, and more. Head on over to customize results page and check them out. Hey, Mike, could this work with AI? Why not? So you can create your own little video game within iRacing? 
Well, if you do a season in AI, it kind of keeps a lot of this stuff for you. Oh, does it? Okay, I, didn't, I wasn't sure. You could still take your results and upload them to SimRacer yeah. Hub like any other league administrator and get these kind of stats. Correct. But Brian, tell me, uh, tell the group why uh, an admin of a league would want to do that. I mean, because what if they decide, oh, we got to penalize somebody for something? You know, they need to take away some points. That's how they do it because they can manually adjust stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, this also gives you, um, so uh, we, we do the incident per lapse um, uh, information for penalties, you know, when you, when you have too many incidents per lap. Um, and that kind of stuff is customizable in, in a system like this, where it's not a, not a typical, um, typical thing you get from iRacing. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a really good app for league racing, especially. I wonder if you could take AI results and put them into there, though. That would be a, an experiment. That'd also be a lot of good data to dump into a an AI announcer if that guy is still trying to develop that that unit. And another nice thing is you can reset the points if you do a playoff system. Stuff like that is is really really uh, really awesome for for leagues. All right when you can't when the iRacing scoring. You know, it doesn't even show you your divisions, for example. Um, yeah, I mean, it does, and it's not customizable like, hey, I want to reset the points and have a playoff or whatever. This is the tool. All right, Brian. Um, it's been a while, so we thought we might sneak a, uh, another formula wheel in here. Yeah, this is a new one. Uh, it's called the VG or VPG Stealth. Uh, it's claimed to be using the best materials available today and the highest quality components available from the automotive industry. Um, and uh, what everybody at uh, Boosted Media, Will Ford, reviewed the wheel on their on his uh, YouTube channel, and uh, he said it was really surprising with uh, how 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 good it was. Now, um, it's it's coming in at a just a just under 1200 pounds is what i think it is pounds so um you know uh it's and it doesn't have a uh led screen you know a, a screen on it so pretty pricey for a wheel without without a screen but um it looks really cool it's very uh modern looking it's it's when you compare it to a lot of the other formula formula wheels you you, you see this one definitely stands out in its design and, and look I don't know. I mean, for me, like you said, for the price, you don't even have a display. And, uh, you know, it's not crazily overloaded with buttons either. I mean, it's just got three simple knobs in the middle. Uh, pretty straightforward. Now, I, I kind of watched the conclusion of Will Ford's video. And, and based on the last few sentences he said in the conclusion, this is the quote I kind of came up with. Now, this is paraphrased a little bit. But he says, quote, I would have a hard time justifying the extra spend over a Cube Controls F Pro. But it is a very high-quality wheel with a very good build quality. And if this is your style, then so be it. So, I mean, he liked it for what it was, but I don't think he would choose it is what he was saying. Yeah, and I, it sounds like that was pretty much just a cost analysis, uh, basically. Um, I don't think he had any issues with the wheel itself. I think it, I think, uh, I think it was just a, just an issue with cost. It's uh, raceware.co.uk. 
Well, since we're appropriately talking about bang for your buck and extra costs, what do you think about this next one, Justin? It's definitely not the economy deal, is it? No, it isn't, David. Uh, F1 enthusiasts and partnership with Red Bull have announced a simulator model of Red Bull RB18. Uh, the Champions Edition is priced at RRP99000. Uh, what currency is that? That's pounds. I think pounds, yeah. Okay. UK Uh, pounds. Gotcha. While the race edition is available for 74,000 pounds, the Champions Edition will come with a front wing assembly as fans can opt for a Tether Vestefan or a Sergio Perez-themed liveries if I pronounce that word right. But it looks like a, it just looks like an F1 shell with an ultra ride set on top with the Red Bull skin on it. It's kind of wheels. Yeah, no wheels. It's just laying flat on the ground. Um, It's very, very interesting looking. What do you guys think? I'm on the F1 Authentics website and for us to buy it, 125,000 for the, for the wing and nose cone. And if you just want the race one, it's ninety four grand. But hey, man, somebody out there has money that they don't care about, and they'll they'll buy it. But I'm I'm trying to find where the one hundred twenty five thousand comes from. It really looks like a shell with an ultra white set on it. <laughs> it's just a monocoque with a nose and a wing. So is that just how much the body costs? Are they? Or I mean, are they really? Is the material price really that high? Why? Well, well, now scroll down on the page though, and they show you the play seat formula Red Bull Racing, and the price on it is thirteen hundred dollars. I mean, come on! I mean, that thing isn't worth thirteen hundred dollars. And you got the other one for twenty seven sixty. Right, and so based on that, I mean, you can see that they're they're charging a, a premium because it's Red Bull. So I don't know if you guys have ever tried to buy a piece of F1 merchandise, but I'm probably going to upset F1 fans here, but it's ridiculous the amount it costs to buy anything F1 related, a hat, a shirt, a die cast, anything. It's, uh, but people will, uh, I don't know, people, I don't know, people buy it to buy it, I guess. Cool. If you see something like that, the, uh, the act of pedals seems so outrageous. How much did that guy buy that? Uh, was it a Christopher Buescher car? That he he bought us, I think it was a seventeen number seventeen car where he put the sim rig inside, but he's going to race it later. There's no way that oh, yeah. thing costs that much. No, and that's no. a real damn car. It had wheels on it. <laughs> All right, Mike, we got one sent in by a listener. Garrett Streets sent this in. Said, "I thought you guys might be interested in discussing this new button box offering. This button box allows the user to control almost any functional." programmable to a key in simulators and racing games on PC. And it's uh, pretty straightforward at uh, sm-racingproducts.com. Yeah, it looks like uh, if you look at the top left, that's probably really kind of set up default to be your ignition and your uh, and your power for the engine, the on-off and the ignition, because I'm, I'm thinking that the red switch there doesn't stay up. You, when, you, when you push it up, it, it, it springs back down. And then the rest of them are just a lot of toggles and knobs and buttons. I like the, what I like about this one is the custom text you can put on the box. So in orange letters along the bottom, 
there's a spot where you can put a custom name limit to 11 characters long so what would you, you know put mike ellis there or you'd put tofosi racing and it looks like it comes with a couple mounting options too 100 bucks it's not a not a bad price for a button box but man the, the thing that gets me what i always look at with button boxes how deep is it how thick is it this one looks pretty darn deep it's a thick one all right this next one's yours as well mike girl all one word so you kind of broke up there it's pit girl for some reason you pit girl you said girl okay yeah so i've been doing this for a long time guys you think i've seen it all in sim racing and then something happened this week that i haven't seen before i was a little surprised so i ended up making a appearance on a pit girl streaming video so the, lit, the guy who made the video shared it with me, and so I went to look at it, and I, I asked him, well, what am I watching here? And he tells me, it's a recap of all the markers my system recorded for your car in the race we were just in at Laguna Seca. It keeps track of all the overtakes, undertakes, off-tracks, radio broadcast, etc. So after the race, we can watch what happened in the replay, but with much better access to the content that the basic iRacing next previous incident offers. In this case, I asked Pit Girl to do a recap of car six, so she went through and did a procedural replay of all the stuff that happens to you. While I'm driving, we can also have it do shorter replays of things like the recent overtakes or the last few markers for a particular car, stuff like that. And there's a YouTube video of my race at Laguna Seca in the open wheel car. Uh, he put it on his stream and he, he's watching it with his stream, his, his watchers on his stream of my race. And he was in my race and this, apparently he did this video right after the race was over where he just watched the, you know, the recap of my race because I told him, Hey, I have a podcast. I racers lounge, check it out. And so, he wanted to, uh, you know, advertise this to me. And I thought it was freaking cool. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what a neat little tool to look back at your race to see the highlights of what just happened. Uh, and it's all automated with AI. When you shared this, Mike, to the group, I had no idea what the hell we were watching. I, I thought this was a guy calling you out and videotaping you. But then I'm like, ah, why would he share it with us? And then I finally figured out what was going on. And yeah, you're right. It, it was actually pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm sorry, David, go ahead. I was going to say this, this might be pretty cool to start throwing up on, on my YouTube channel. Some just these recaps instead of, I don't like doing the raw mm -hmm. streaming anymore, but these recaps might be pretty cool. I'm curious to Even find for out yourself. how it works. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious to find out if he has, um, if the if how it will handle uh multi-class because i'd I'd rather not see every gt car that i lap right so that'll be cool to find out but yeah this is very cool this is something i'm gonna go grab this might be a day one question if, i don't go know ahead, if Mike. it's grabbable i think this guy has built this i don't know if he offers it or what now i've been trying to do some little research into mr chris roberts is his name his Twitter handle is at Robertsmania. And one of his other tweets led me down another hole 
uh, about Pit Girl. He said this, more AI improvements with Pit Girl, my self-proclaimed race engineer and helpful presence in my iRacing streams. Now she knows who she is and remembers viewers' questions in addition to managing the cameras, the replays, and how much fuel I need, plus the audio. So he, he has the AI managing his stream and his viewers and the questions. So this is like chat, BT, chat, chat GTP for iRacing. This is kind of it's awesome. Kind of wicked. <laughs> I've seen this guy. You know what? Um, he, he, on he a... just needs to sell his stuff to all the, uh, all of the Coke drivers, and then they can be less stressed and have a better quality of life. <laughs> Austin, you said you saw this guy before? Yeah, I, I remember the name in um, A-Class Races on Oval on the NASCAR Cup. I've seen him before. Yeah, I raced him at Laguna Seca, apparently. <laughs> I have a, uh, a simple question that you mentioned earlier, Mike. How do you, in via iRacing, when you're watching the replay, how do you select next incident? There's a key for it. I don't remember what it is. Uh, one of your keyboard keys. Yeah, it's a hot key. You can look at it in the controls. Up okay. Options, I believe. Wow. Okay. Only two and a half, almost three years. Like, can't you do it? Can't you do it by looking through uh, the list of drivers? It also has like next incident and stuff. I think so. The most of the replay controls are usually on the number pad. Because so like if you're if you're wanting to capture a replay real quick and you hit the space bar, you can't hit you can't see the play button anymore, right? So you press the five key to start and stop the replay. So it's it's somewhere around there, I believe. So I examined you know Twitter his Twitter profile and some of the tweets he's put out. I don't think that he's released this as like a piece of software or something that you can buy or use or whatever yet. I think it's just something he's working on. Um, you can go watch his stream and learn more about it apparently, you know, cause you, the AI is all part of it and I'm fascinated. So i I gave him a follow on the Twitter and I hope, uh, you know, he puts out something that we can all take advantage of this. I thought the replay tool thing is just fascinating. I would buy it. I would too. And as I mentioned, like for yourself, like David, you're talking about your streams, but like if you wanted to have a video collection of your stuff, you can make your own private YouTube channel and have this stuff utilizing this program, have your own replays of the races you want to keep. And then you always kind of have it, I guess. Yeah. I would like, I've, lost count, I've lost count of how many times I've said, hey, here's a replay. Here's a replay. Can you throw together a highlight video? And it never shows. So something like this might actually show. Well, they're so hard to make. I mean, when Greg sits down to make a highlight video, it takes hours, you know, to kind of go through the footage and figure out what to do and edit it and everything else. So to have it all automated, like this guy, like he literally put, sent me this video, this YouTube link, not even 15 minutes after the race was over. So like the, the race ended, I got a tweet like 15 minutes later, like the video was done. I mean, he was sitting back eating while he was watching the video. And so uh, it's not like he did anything to make the video. It just, it was all natural AI. Pretty cool. Natural AI. Idol idea. Definitely. That one's, that one's set. We're not even having a vote. All right. Moving on from natural AI though. Um, we have Thrustmaster D direct drives now for sale. Uh, how about that, Justin? Yeah, um, as of Wednesday morning, the new Thrustmaster 
T818DD is finally available to purchase for U.S. customers. And they got a tweet out saying, start your engines, DD fans. There are only six more days until T818 becomes available for U.S. customers. Our eShops will begin taking orders March 22nd, 2023 at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it will start shipping immediately. And that was yesterday. Now, do we feel sorry for people buying this thing right now when there's Ace Attack and SemiCube for only just a, a little bit more? You can't even mount this thing. I was going to say, I wonder if they have the mounting adapters available too. <laughs> Those come out in the spring of next year. <laughs> now, a piggyback story to that last comment is since last Wednesday, there's been a problem with the Thrustmaster TS. SXW base no longer having back. Um, and so there's a lot of people in the forums uh, talking about it. And then David Tucker really put out a, uh, a pinned forum post uh, describing how to fix uh, the problem. It's a little tweak in Windows um, you have to adjust. Now, we have had experience with Windows messing with things. Every time we get an update, we have to go reset all of our sound settings. Yeah, he says, go into services in Windows, find game input service, and uh, disable it. So it's out there. I don't, I don't think we're super high on it, but it's out there. The Thrustmaster Direct Drive is now available. What else is available now? Well, this is uh, right up your alley, I guess. Keep control pedals, SPO1 pedals. We talked about this last week, in fact, right? Yeah, and they're for sale uh, officially. You can get the pedals with the performance kit for 1,099 euros, and they are for sale and available now. They do look nice. Eye candy, for sure. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't We're, think these got, have, I don't think it's worth the value at 1,100 to be yeah, honest. Yeah, they're 1,100, right? Is that for just the set of two as well? Just yeah, two. you don't even get a clutch. You don't have a, pl yeah. a, a base plate or anything. My Henske builds, I bought them for that price, and I got the clutch, the base plate, everything. And those See, are that's a value. load sellers. That's a decent value, but they're load. Yeah, this is overpriced for load sale, other than the, the pretty to it. No, no base. They just assume you have a rig, I take it. Assume you're upgrading, I guess. Well, pretty much every rig needs a, needs a base plate. The, the rig just comes with kind of the frame, and then you attach the base plate to it. Very true. You're right. I feel like with these manufacturers, I think every company has a sweet spot of what kind of hardware they're good at. I think Cube Controls is good at wheels. I don't know if they're good at pedals yet. They seem a little overpriced to me, but it is from Italy, and you got that Italian design factor and whatnot. All right, what's this neat idea, Mike? Well, I found this on Facebook, uh, a post from Dave Mulvey, he had an idea about setting up some audio, and I thought it was brilliant. Let me read this. iRacing has the computer spotter, and in settings, you can say which sound card output it sends a spotter audio to. So if you had a pair of walkie-talkies that have the VOX setting, you can enable VOX and connect the sound card output to the radio. VOX is a voice-activated push-to-talk for the radio. Now, anytime audio comes out of the sound card, it would automatically key up the radio. If you have another walkie-talkie with earbuds, 
or connect to your helmet radio kit, you'll hear a real live radio transmission from your spotter and your real life helmet or earbud. Maybe cool if you're running speakers instead of headphones, but once you're on headphones, it's already been modified to sound like it's coming out of a, a headphone earbud. That's true. They give the little squelch noise and stuff right before the transmission. And there's like there's hardly any low frequency in the voice either, right? It's all real tinty. It's definitely going through a high pass filter. Is this going too far? Too much, probably. Is there going to be delay? Uh, I guess not. I don't know. Listeners, tell us what you think. Is uh, CB radios or walkie talkies uh, a, a a thing? All right, Justin, I think this one for me would be the uh, the uh, submission for the worst-looking seat I've ever seen. Um, I love it. It's very unique is the right word, I think. Uh, Prism, Prism Seats has a new seat of vibrant new colors for their racing seats, and it is a lot of purple, a lot of pink, and a lot of pineapples. If you're a Magnum PI fan... This seat's for you. Maybe Miami Vice. But if you go to their site, David, there's worse seats on there. Oh, yeah. This is one of them. Uh, now, this is Prisma. And guess what? I have a Prisma seat. So my uh, petty blue, you know, velvet or whatever it is, is a Prisma seat. And uh, it's like a petty blue velvet, like I said. But now you can get violet, aqua blue, peach, storm. And they have all these other uh, tie-dye. Yes, this is from NRG. They're uh, local to my area down here, and they're, they're, they make real car stuff. Uh, so these seats uh, obviously would go in a real real car if you'd wanted to. But, yeah, just a bunch of different styles. Well, you know, if somebody else wants to eat pineapple on their pizza, I don't care. It's just not going on my pizza. So they have the one called the Ultra Sakura, which has like flower blossoms on it, you know, like pink on black. Uh, that one's kind of neat. The cherry red velvet. Ooh. And they have one that's Savage the Tiger, which is like a tiger stripe orange. Savage Wild Thornberry. Yeah, so uh, lots of options. Now, I can't tell you enough about this seat. And I would definitely recommend it. It was economical, affordable. Uh, it wasn't overpriced. It's rock solid. It has no flex at all. Easy to mount. I ended up screwing my butt kicker right to the bottom of it. No problem at all. Um, I highly recommend these seats called Prisma. And the website is prismalab.com. All right, Donnie, is this, is this a stream deck? Not sure. Fox One Racing, we want the realism and fun of sim racing to be at your forefront. With the help of our product range, you can expand your sim racing experience and control your car down to the smallest detail. So it's got Stream Deck buttons, however, utilizing them for, I would assume, in sim. Um, you got your windshield wiper on there. There's some other other items on there as well, your toe button. So, I mean, it looks like he's utilizing a stream deck, adding some buttons onto it and it kind of something like we saw last week, not as, not as polished, but, um, got another option for another button box. This, yeah, he's got a sim deck inside of this basically. And it's what I like about this one is it's, 
it's vertical okay so the stream decks at the top he's got the extra buttons below it now this is from germany and a new company that we haven't really looked at before box1racing.com they have several different button boxes this is just the one i kind of thought was the best one they had yeah their mounting looks unique as well how they have that and it back. looks narrow it's not deep which you know is a big quirk for me but if you don't need the stream deck and you're just looking for regular button boxes there they have several and they're very affordable i mean uh 58 euros 78 euros 83 euros and so on they also have uh some fan attack uh where you the ones where you mount to the base the front of the base that come off to the edge uh the left side or the right side they have those kind of style like the dd uh, or Derek spears designs ones that come off the edge they have clone ones like that but they're not very long and they're they're quite affordable too 70 euros yeah it looks like these ones would actually be behind your hands when you're holding the wheel might be a little bit yep. difficult on the on the little dds not that that csl over there right and that last one uh, they call it the cockpit premium uh that's got a nice look to it 219 euros that's probably their most expensive All right, we're going to jump to results next. NASCAR iRacing Series. Let's finish up Atlanta Dega Friday Open. I got wrecked out around lap 25, was running fourth. I kind of left a half lane below me, and the guy takes it by going below the red and then wipes me out. Had four minutes damage. I fixed it. I was lap 10 laps down. I did go up back out there and drove around uh and actually drove through the pack at least twice even though i was 10 laps down i eventually got wrecked with 40 to go and a big one donnie p14 i qualified p4 uh, finished p14 i don't remember too much about the race or being annoyed with it um, i do remember leaving that race excited for sunday morning uh, i stayed on the lead lap i gained ir wasn't that terrible but um sunday was much better Austin P24. Yeah, um, it started off excellent. I got the pole. Um, yeah, I know. Got the pole. I was fast. Uh, stayed in the top five for the first part of the run. Uh, kept getting a couple cautions. I got shuffled back uh, during um, pit stops to about 10th. Then I kind of just got caught with the crowd. Um, I couldn't avoid anything. Everybody kept getting hooked on the front stretch and it would collect me. And eventually I just X'd out and ended up two laps down. It, it was just a rough race. It started good though. You were up front leading laps and pole. Yeah, there was nothing I could do. I mean, all the holes closed and I just hit other cars pretty much. All right, Tyler Williamson, P5. Uh, wild race started in the back, dodged many close calls, and had a good time racing teammates Justin and Mike. Made it out alive with the top five. Let's go, baby. David, P, equipment failure. Yeah, um, the uh, VR was doing some kind of weird tracking, having some kind of tracking issue. I think I've got some kind of memory leak in the computer now because I'm having to reset almost every day to keep this from happening now. 
but it, it would just start to not track very well and then it would suddenly turn gray for a second and then come back and it happened a few times and then it'd be stable for a while and I would just kind of have to guess when to turn and one time it happened right going into the front stretch and when it came back I was basically facing the wall and um, death so what are you going to do are you going to buy new goggles or uh, no there's not really a, a better option that's not going to require a better PC um, what I've got what I've done now is I just make sure I kind of reset once a day and I have the goggles and the repeater that Nvidia actually had to send me for the for the 39 3090 Ti I have them both attached to the same uh, remote button that I have just for my racing light that I that I installed a long time ago in case I forget to leave the lights on when I'm racing because a, a couple of years ago I raced into the dark and lost tracking because none of the lights were on in my apartment right and I had started around five o'clock and um, later it, it just stopped tracking because it couldn't see the room anymore so I have a light that's just got a remote on my rig and that also now controls the headphone the headset and and that switch and if I turn it on let it sit and then open up Windows Mixed Reality most of the time it seems to work Be crazy alright let's move on to Saturday fixed Mackenzie Stevens P21 started pole P19 uh, wrecked in uh, both races Justin P3 yeah uh this was a good one. I started ninth. I stayed up front. I hit all my marks. Uh, pit stall, restarts, didn't spin nothing. This is the first race I managed from start to finish without any mistakes for the most part, and I just kept moving. I didn't. I didn't go two steps back. I always kept going forward. Well done. Got a nice run there. That's the best finish yet, right? Yes, sir. All right, Sunday open, Donnie, P6. Yeah, so Sunday was much better. Um, we started with an 88-lap uh, green flag run, so we got a pit under green, uh, which was fantastic. Um, not a whole lot of incidents in this race at all, but towards the end, we had a green-white checker, and there was a car in our middle between us on the, the start that kind of halted our run, so the top four got to finish. I finished P6, but um, honestly, we say it a lot. Um, I don't know where we say it sometimes on the show or in our, our thread, but I love green flag runs. It's To me, it's the best part of the sim for me. So being able to run 88 laps, pitting under green with this type of race um, was awesome. We had our little groups we pitted off with, so it was enjoyable for what it was. I hate that track, but I made the best of it. Run. Brian, you got to run P20. Yeah, this is started off just about as bad as you can get. I, um, I I screwed up qualifying, so I started towards the back of the field. And uh, before we even took the green flag to start the race, there was a big pile up right at the start finish line. Um, I didn't get any incidents, but you know I kind of slow had to come to a stop basically as the yellow came out. And because of the way that the pace car came out, like half the field got uh, black flags for passing the pace car. Um, so. But yeah, before before anything even went to green again, I was four laps down from serving a, a long penalty in the pits, and uh, and I just pretty much just stayed in the back. I knew I wasn't going to make up four laps very easy, so um, 
only ha happened to get one wave around to, to get one lap back down, but uh, wound up making, you know, getting a P20 just by staying out of trouble and not having any other incidents. Start Justin, yeah. P4. Yeah, I'm kind of keeping my streak going. Um, I was car 36 car, qualified six, so that was that was real good with the field I was with. Uh, stayed up front. Uh, I, I started up front actually with my teammate Tom. He was next to me. I thought that was pretty cool. Starting next to a teammate. We were on the same strat. We pitted under green. We hit our marks again. Came out. Uh, ran a couple laps, caution, uh, put us a lap down, but luckily with Atlanta, as soon as one caution comes out, they keep coming. So eventually got my lap back and just kept, uh, stayed up front, kept hitting my marks. Then, uh, oh, I had a couple green white checkers. Um, there was no help I'm getting lost here. Sorry. I fell back to fifth, but took a top five finish and also had no instance points. So that was my first NIS race with zero instance. So I get in the best of both worlds. All right, turned out to be a pretty good week for you. Uh, Mackenzie Stevens, P5, started third, ran a great race thing in the top 10 all race. Was P2 right behind the leader, pulled away from the pack, right about to get the white flag and caution comes out for the green white checker. Stayed on the outside lane and got no help from behind, fell back to P5, but will take my first top five finish, also no incident point. Yeah, he's uh, having a good run. Uh, David, uh, you had another bad deal stuck. Yeah, I showed you a video of this. It just would not let me out of the pits. I actually blew the engine up trying to get out of the pits. Yeah, that happened to me last week. Did you happen to have a black flag when it happened? A meatball, actually. Yeah, okay. I didn't have a meatball, but I had a... Uh, oh, no, it's DQ. I had a Mine pass through. I was on incident point 24. So some, of, some of the guys thinking maybe I got DQ'd. Mm, were you serving your drive-through or getting ready to serve your drive-through? That's ready? where I was going. I was driving to serve my penalty. Yeah, that's, that's um, but if you have a drive-through, so you had just gotten your drive-through and you were, you were pitting and you, and you went into the box? So it wasn't, I had to go into the box, so I don't think it was a drive-through, but there was some other reason I had a black flag. I think it was for speeding on pit road, actually. And I had to come back through. Something happened where I had to go and serve a black flag where I had to stop for 20 seconds, hold for 20 or whatever it was, and that's when it happened. And it just completely would not ever let you out? Wouldn't let me out. It can, I can rev my motor. You can feel it. You can almost feel like the car wanted to leave, Yeah, but it, it wasn't going forward. to work. It, yeah. it, it kept like bouncing forward like a little wind-up robot. Um, in this case, I had a too many incidents uh, flag and went ahead and pitted to get to the back of the field so I could just drive through when we went green. And it and, and it wouldn't let me out because oh, I knew I was going to have to do the drive through anyway. But Yeah, mine was a very similar situation. All right. Sunday fixed. I ran P5. I ran pretty much top five all night. I tried to keep the car clean, but still 16 incident points. So I didn't try to push the issue at the end. I just uh, took my top five and got the job done. I'll take it. Wednesday, open at, ooh, C-O-T-A. P24, I got what I deserved. Uh, got my final 17X on the last lap. Uh, didn't have to, didn't lose any spots because of it, but I did ha uh, get the checkered and the black flag at the same time. Uh, 
I suck there. Uh, I don't like this track, I tell you that. Uh, Mackenzie Stevens, DNF. He said he couldn't keep it on the track. NASCAR should stay at ovals. David, P14. Yeah, um, I was in the second split. I was like car 25, so this is a decent finish. I didn't make any major mistakes. I got loose a couple times, um, and I picked the right tire strategy, which is um, usually the case in that I didn't take tires when um, I seem to remember some of y'all saying, oh, I'm definitely taking tires. I didn't and finished in front of people who did. That should have beat me. Um, but I kept it down to like, I think, five or six X. However, when I went and looked at the results, the winner of that race got 117 championship points, and it was the second split. Okay. And in NIS, we're going to drop, what, five weeks. My third place at Atlanta paid 230 championship points. So wow. the, way, the way they're doing this with the strength of fields, it's just, it means that the road courses are just throwaway races. Um, you don't really, unless your I ratings are about the same between road and oval, there's not a point in running the road courses because you're not, you're not going to get basically going to get to count them unless you have a really, really shitty oval in there. That's even lower than that. I'll end up being drops for you. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Drop drops, drops for all of us for the most part. Okay. Kyle Pendigraf was back for after a long hiatus. P10. After some time away from iRacing to focus on my business, I am back on track. Started P9, kept it clean the first eight laps, and then got sloppy and slowly accumulated X's for off track. Got shoved through the corner on the long straight, but that was the only contact all race for me. Last lap was running eighth and spun on my own trying to accelerate for the long straight. Gave up two spots instantly and just brought it home P10. Tyler Williamson, P10. Track limits are broken at Coda. Started in the back, kept digging, trying to keep it clean. Finished with 14 axes I was battling to keep 10th at the end. Fun track, but the limits really need to be adjusted. Let's move on to other official and other racing. I ran Gen 4 at Richmond, P14. Then the uh, IR04 at Laguna Seca started ninth, got to uh, fourth, but fell back to six when I spun off once. Then I ran the new Formula Ford at Laguna Seca, started ninth, finished eighth. The steering is super heavy. I was about one and a half seconds off the pace of the leaders, I, I, and I thought I, I, did, I was going fast. Then I went to Lucas Oil Off-Road Racing Series Pro uh, Light Trucks at Wild West Motorsports Park, started P4 out of seven, uh, jumped the start and got penalized, so I ended up dead last. Then it was Delara Dash at Texas, really fast, but I crashed out. Then the Toyota GR86 at Lime Rock, qualified 16 out of 20. I got to P12 by the end of lap one, finished P6. I'm still super slow, 1.8 seconds off the leader in this car at this track. And then earlier today, I ran the dirt sprint car at Lanier. David, you got a P1 at Sebring. Yeah, this one was in the uh, GTE car instead of the GTP. Um, so that just seems to be a good track for me. I've been running the LMP there this week and haven't, haven't had a I've had a couple podium finishes, but hadn't pulled off a P1 yet. That would be an interesting uh, trifecta, I guess, if I got all three classes in the in recent times. 
Now I do have a couple other Delara dashes uh, before uh, they switched the track at Charlotte. I started on pit road, I missed the start. Um, I somehow got to uh, P4 out of 13. Unbelievably was able to drive clear up to second was catching the leader but ran out of laps after starting on pit road. Then I ran the same race again and won it. Ryan, OBRL Cup, P19. Yeah, this was a this was a crazy race. I started towards the back. It was a full field. It was at the old Atlanta, so that was cool. Um, and it's really, really such a big difference between that track and the new one. Um, but um, I started towards the back, and uh, when I started the race, my um, my crew chief was not not working for spotting my car so uh, i was like this is not good at atlanta you know i got side by side a lot so um every time I, I made up uh, like about 10 spots and then went to the pits and tried to fix the um try to fix it and uh i i uh, went back on track but i lost about 10 more spots because it took me a little while to get that restarted and it was doing it again so the next pit stall i did the same exact thing and uh and it finally worked but you know i was giving up, i was making up spots giving them back up making them up spots and giving them back up until uh, i finally got a decent run towards the end we had a we had a long run with green flag pit stops and stuff and uh made my way up to 19th that's as far as i could get with all those uh all those uh setbacks that i was having in pit road just also want to mention uh congratulations to uh dwayne MacArthur for winning that race josh robinson was second tom ogle was third so congratulations to those guys Hey, final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. Um, uh, speaking of Thomas Ogle, um, before the start of all these uh, cup races for OBRL, we have a driver's meeting. It lasts about 10 minutes. And every time we do it, um, Thomas Ogle has the funniest stories when it comes to penalizations from uh, from the races. Uh, I, I know uh, Tony Groves has uh, has played these before on his uh, in his old podcast. Some of his uh, recordings of those, but uh, they they take a lot. Of, they got to take a lot of time for him to 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 make these stories up and make them funny and interesting. It lightens the mood before the races start. And uh, so I just wanted to give Tom a, Tom a shout out because uh, we everybody really enjoys those. They're they're really funny. Hey, they're showing up for something, right? And he, and he's a hell of a racer on top of that. So, <laughs> all right, David Hall, final thoughts. I'm a blink. Looking forward to Sebring. And maybe rain. Remember. Not, not by Saturday. No. Okay. Donnie Spiker, final thought. Uh, not much. Work's been super busy. Um, ran Coda A open last night. I did not hate it, but the usual guy won. I think it was Matt Coker. He was in my race. Uh, he won. Uh, driving out to Arizona tomorrow, but I'll be back for NIS tomorrow night. So hopefully that'll work out. Hopefully I don't have to run Sunday. Hopefully it's a decent race and I can scratch Sunday off the list. All right, very good. Justin Pearson, final thoughts. Just learning these road courses now. Uh, just taking my time, staying on the track, not racing people, but racing the track. So I'm just learning, learning, learning how to run these courses. Well, I mean, running next gen at road course isn't road course racing. I mean, I hate to say that, but I've been really in, engulfed in road co course racing, specifically open wheel cars. And I thought, you know, going into Coda, I would do pretty good, you know, with that year of 
you know, experience now of doing road course racing. Nope. I'm just as bad as I ever am at Coda in a gen next gen. Uh, you look at David, he's really, he can win IMSA every week, but you know, put him in a next gen at Coda and he's, he, he has the same kind of trouble. So it's tough. Okay. My final thoughts are, I had a situation this week where I turned on the racing computer and all four screens were black. Computer's on, no video, nothing. Panic. Panic sets in. What do you do? You're like, Ugh. well, I do have Google Remote Chrome Desktop. Google Chrome Remote Desktop installed, thank God. So I could use my phone to like remote in. What did I try to do? I tried to install the NVIDIA drivers. Apparently they were gone. The device manager didn't even show my video card. It was like a nightmare situation. I got, I was messaging the team. What do I do? What do I do? In a, in a rage, I just threw it, I just threw it down. I'm like, I'm done. I went to dinner. I hadn't eaten. And I ended up not touching it the rest of the night. The next day I came back in, turned it on, open for the worst. Guess what? Video's back. Everything's normal. Like nothing ever happened. And so it's frustrating to have computer problems like that when you spend so much money on it and you want it to work every time and something weird like that happens and you can't explain it it's like that the computer's worked fine every day since i've been racing on it it's been perfectly fine no problem at all uh so that's frustrating it makes me want to do an another computer build my other final thought is i changed isp providers this week i made the leap i cut cox cable i installed verizon 5g home internet and I've been racing on cellular since last Tuesday, uh, about nine days. No problems, have not dropped out or anything like that. The speeds have been faster and knock on wood, um, I'm good to go with cellular internet. Can you believe it? And with that, hey, see you out on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.